Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. And this week, our guest is pro motocrosser, Alex Martin. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. The 2022 Moto America Class Championships are coming down to the final three rounds of the season. Don't miss a minute of the action at Pittsburgh, New Jersey, and Alabama. Get your tickets now at MotoAmerica.com or watch practice, qualifying, and races live on the Moto America Live Plus Video On Demand streaming service. Get your tickets in a camping spot today at MotoAmerica.com and be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This week's Pit Pass All Access. We're going to take some time and talk about the new upcoming World Supercross schedule, and also the recently announced Super Motocross schedule that's coming out. And uh, these are two conflicting, I think, convents, but let's talk about World Supercross first. It's the FIM-based three-round series. They've got two rounds booked so far, one in Cardiff, UK, one in Melbourne, Australia. It's an FIM-led event. You have to be one of 10 licensed teams to be approved to race in the series, They're going to announce four champions, World Supercross, SX2, World Supercross Team, and World Supercross Manufacturer Championships when they're done. And it's a heavily funded series. They've got over $50 million invested over five years, a 250K per round payout. So definitely that series looks attractive to racers who want to make some money as compared to the recently announced Super Motocross Series, which is the expanded AMA, Supercross, and Outdoor Motocross series combined into one final series with a three-round playoff. A lot of money invested. There's $10 million payout that's up for grabs. So another one that's uh, potentially drawing riders to the series. This is crazy. We've got uh, World Supercross and Super Motocross coming down the pike. What's it going to mean for our sport? Yeah, it's certainly shaking up, you know, the whole motocross scene right now. I think there's a lot of question marks for sure. As you mentioned, it all started with the World Supercross announcement. And kind of in hindsight, I wonder if the Feld Group kind of regrets giving up that FIM sanctioning for the the Supercross, the AMA Supercross series, which then this Australian group then picked up and created the World Supercross series. So as you said, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. The teams have been announced. I've noticed that one of my observations is it seems like more of a Formula One approach this series with these teams applying for a limited number of spots. They have to show that they have the infrastructure and the money to compete. Another interesting thing that I noticed is that the World Supercross is backed by Mubadala Capital Investment Group, which is a 
group that is made up of shareholders. That Actually, the shareholder is the government of Abu Dhabi, which I thought was interesting because we're all seeing this PGA live golf kind of scenario going on. And it's very similar in that live golf is backed by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which I thought was interesting. So they've got this influx of capital coming into the World Supercross Series. I think that's why we're seeing these huge, you know, payout numbers being thrown around. But the big question to me, though, is like, how is this all going to work together with schedules? As we've heard many times throughout the years, teams and riders have constantly talked about how difficult the schedules are. 17 rounds of Supercross, 12 rounds of Motocross. There's a Motocross of Nations. There's some of these off-season races over in Europe. So how is this all going to fit together with all these schedules. To me, I'm thinking that's going to be one of the biggest things is like, how is this going to logistically be pulled off? Yeah, these are all good questions. And I have the same concern. Is it going to kind of water the talent down and spread it out over two series? The series are long. I mean, when you look at outdoor motocross and supercross combined, that's 29 events. And then pile this on top of that. Who's going to make it through that? They are going to limit it to 22 riders that that uh, are the top 22 for the two series and, and only race those. But it's a long season. Racers get hurt. Who's going to go where, I guess, ultimately is the big question in my mind. And does it spread the talent out to the point where you don't have two good series? You have just just a two series that are just spread with talent and uh, injured riders and burnout. And just is this going to affect their career longevity? There are just more questions than answers, I think, than than anything else. Everyone can have an opinion about which is going to be better. But until it really happens, I guess uh, we really won't know. I do think it's going to be a positive for a lot of the privateers out there. As we know, there is quite a bit of you know disparity between a factory-level rider and how much money they make and these struggling privateers that are, that are literally making enough money to, to go from race to race. So I think this is going to open a lot of doors for uh, a lot of these, I wouldn't call it, I'd say maybe B-level riders, you know, guys that are maybe top 10 back. I think it's going to really help them make a living. So I, I think that's a huge positive. It is interesting to me, though, like, as we talked about, this whole super motocross, and we'll put air quotes around it because, you know, they're basically saying Feld and MX Sports are combining their two series into this kind of super motocross series final where there's, you know, pl- playoffs. There's two rounds of playoffs, top 22 advance to those playoffs, and then they have a final in the LA Coliseum, which I thought that was kind of funny too. I raced in the LA Coliseum, Dave, back in 1989. So it's pretty amazing that they're going to be going back to that stadium all these years later. Another thing I'm interested in is what are these tracks going to look like? Because they're saying it's going to be kind of a mashup of motocross and supercross. And so I'm gonna, it's going to be fun to see what these racetracks look like here in the uh, fall of next year. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
We'd like to welcome back to Pit Pass Moto, Alex Martin, AMA 450 motocross and supercross racer on the number 26 Muckoff Club MX FXR Yamaha. Alex, uh, welcome back again. We always appreciate you taking the time, and I know you're uh, just off of Unadilla, which was a very good round for you, man. Yeah, you know, thanks for having me on. It's always fun when we get on Pit Pass and can talk about what's happening. So, yeah, we were just in Unadilla over the weekend up in New York, and had a good good showing on the 450 it's been it's been a tough tough year just in general that class is really really stacked there's a lot of good guys and it's been my rookie year it's been it's definitely been a learning curve for sure it's funny to hear you use the word rookie when i when we refer to your career but uh, congratulations by the way on the 450 uh, rookie of the year in the supercross that was a great honor i think uh, it just showed your tenacity because it was it's never an easy season and guys get hurt and it's rough and you hung in there, man. It was uh, it was great to see. It's been a, for sure a heck of a year. You know, seventeen supercrosses and then the twelve outdoors. We have three left now, and it'll be twelve outdoors. Thirteen years on the two hundred and fifty, and you know, it's kind of one of my. I've said this quite a few times, but um, you know, I feel like I would have had regrets if I never gave the four hundred and fifty a shot. You know, with my size and stature, um, I'm definitely on the smaller side. So kind of made the 250 work for me as a career. And I think, you know, after doing a year of 450, it's like, I'm kind of glad I went that route because it's pretty gnarly. But at the same time, I'm really happy for this year and just to be able to make it through Supercross. Like, yeah, I, I don't think people realize, especially the fans, like how gnarly it is to go through 17 rounds of 450 Supercross. And not only that, but it's like an 18 weekends. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 been a fun year for sure. Yeah, it's like you never get a break. But uh, And I know you announced your retirement uh, at the end of this season, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that later on. But um, what was the fan reaction to that when uh, when you came out and said, hey, you know, this is it for me. I've, you know, I've, I've put my my life and heart into this, and I'm ready to call it quits. What was the fan reaction to that? I mean, it was kind of overwhelming, to be honest. Um, you know, we... The team and I and my my family, we decided to, you know, we talked about it. It's it'd been on my mind for, I mean, honestly, it's been on my mind for a couple of years. But, you know, for more or less, like I just was in good positions and I was still physically fit and racing well. And, you know, halfway through Supercross, I was of this year, I was kind of like, all right, you know, trying to, you know, have a good time. But this is definitely going to be the last hurrah. And then we decided to announce it the Friday before Southwick, which kind of set us up to where people going to Millville, my hometown race and stuff where I grew up, just kind of gave everyone in that area a heads up that it was going to be my last Millville. Definitely in retrospect, I'm really happy I, I did announce something while I was still racing because just the the support from the fans. I mean, there's been like Southwick, Millville and Washougal and even Unadilla, like the last couple laps of each moto. Like I can literally hear the fans all the way around the track. So that's really special and you know, really cool that the fans are before my career, I would only ever hear the fans like cheering that loud when I was like battling for wins in the 250 class. So and now I'm like riding around like 10th to 12th or whatever in the 450 class and they're still loud. So it's pretty cool. On that subject of retirement. So there was a quote that I, I wrote down that I thought was really great from your social media posts when you initially kind of announced, you know, your, this was going to be your final year. And it said, this sport takes a toll both physically and ment mentally on its riders. And what really stands out to me about that is I feel like there's becoming a lot more, I guess, focus on the mental aspect of motocross. And on that same subject, when people get injured, you know, there's some PTSD type effects sometimes as part of these injuries. And so I would imagine that came into play a little bit with your decision. But can you talk a little bit more about that aspect, you know, that mental 
aspect of, you know, and the injuries that are that are part of motocross that makes it so difficult? Kind of to that mental aspect of the sport. I mean, it's it's a huge, huge part of it. I mean, you have really good amateur racers that, you know, they're kind of up and coming and then the injury injuries kind of riddle their career and they never make it. And, you know, for me, I feel like the biggest kind of secret, I guess, or not really a secret, but biggest kind of key to being successful and having a longevity in this sport is just being healthy. For more or less, you know, I've had my fair share of injuries, but for the most part, I've been able to string together like three or four years of kind of uninterrupted with injuries. You know, so that really helps bolster confidence and kind of keep keep you going year to year and, and keeps you on a positive trajectory. So I was really fortunate with my career to kind of have not so many injuries, but um, they, like in 2021, so last year, I had a really bad crash in Colorado, had a compound fracture to my radius ulna, right arm. And that definitely took the wind out of my sails. And actually, so and earlier that year at a race in Orlando, Supercross race, my brother and I both crashed and he hurt his wrist and then I got a really bad concussion. So for me, that's when I really started to like think about, you know, the toll that it takes on on your body. Because, you know, I wasn't a spring chicken either. I was 31 years old at that time. And, you know, now I'm 32 and it was just like, ah, you know, you want to try and you know, enjoy the sport the best you can, but that definitely takes its toll. Like the injuries do start to weigh on you, you know, waking up in the morning and, you know, like I'm, I'm glad I have a, I live in a single story house and I don't have to go down a set of stairs, <laughs> you know, in the morning with aches and pains that you kind of develop, you know, but just mentally kind of having to push through it as well. Cause there was so many times in Supercross where there's obstacles on the track where, you know, you're just, they're not, you don't feel safe. It's dangerous or you, you know, especially in the 450 class, like you have to do the quads if you want to be a top 10 guy or you have to hit the set of whoops, you know, skim whoops, you can't jump through them and things like that. Like when you're having to do that week after week, like it definitely, you have to be really mentally tough and resilient, but at the same time, having to be on, so many weekends out of the year and the hours of training that we do as well, you know, cause we're not only racing on Saturday, but we're also racing two to three times, sometimes four times we're practicing during the week. So just like kind of more or less like having to mentally prepare for that every week for years and years, for sure. Kind of slowly like erodes that, uh, you know, that motivation, you know, it becomes tough after a while. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of racing that I think maybe a lot of people on the outside looking in don't, realizes that a lot of times racers are racing through injuries and that is extremely difficult in and of itself because like Dave and I were talking a little bit before we came on today, like how sometimes when you're riding injured, you end up developing bad habits. And then when you get through that injury, you got to try and get that bad habit to go away. So, I mean, I feel like that's a huge part of the sport that, you know, really doesn't get talked about a lot. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like good example, that would be like in, when I was on uh, Troy Lee Designs KTM for a couple of years, 2017, 2018, I really struggled with a lot of knee injuries for whatever reason on the KTM. And I almost changed, I feel like I've changed my style since then to where like I ride a lot more feet on the pegs in the corners. I used to like stick a leg out in the corners and, and that's kind of what bit me a few times in the KTM days. And so I do tend to like ride with my feet on the pegs a lot more often through, especially through like rutted corners. And actually it kind of seems like the, the way the sports evolving there, a lot of riders are gravitating that way. So that wasn't necessarily a bad habit, I guess, but for sure when you're riding in pain, especially in supercross, when you're riding in pain, like you have to have really good technique and good form to get through the whoops, to push through the rhythm sections and jump the, 
you know, like the tricky sections, like a triple in or a quad, like if you don't have good form and technique, the result is often, often not very good. Right. So that's something you have to be aware of, you know, whereas maybe it's not worth riding through an injury because if you do that, it could be worse in the long run. So in another direction, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, like kind of on, on that same subject, do you have troll training, your own, you know, motocross training program? And I think you have a couple partners in that. Is that something that you're going to focus on at the end of your retirement and kind of push on into next year and, and tr- keep training riders? I think I saw where you have some pretty good up and coming riders like, uh, oh, let's see, who do you have? I think uh, Chance Hymas. I think I saw where you have Mitch Evans, right? Australian Mitch Evans. Who else do you have on your on your program? I got some 450 privateer guys, Henry Miller, Nathan Laporte, Grant Harlan, some kids in the 250 class, TJ Rios. So yeah, we've, we've been branching out and you know, it's, it's been really fun for me because I've, I've had kind of a lifelong passion for health and fitness. And, you know, back when I first started, it was like, you couldn't find a trainer necessarily, or if, if there was a few trainers out there, maybe like Elda Baker, but you had to pay $200,000, <laughs> you know, you know, as a privateer, you don't necessarily have that money. So for me, it was just like, how could I learn you know, if I wanted to survive in this sport, I had to learn. And for me, that was picking up books. And, you know, there's no better trial and error than just trying things on my own and seeing how it worked. And then eventually kind of the science and stuff kind of backed up, you know, what I was feeling on the dirt bike track. Right. So, and then my longtime trainer and I, John Wessling, we kind of had this idea of like how we could create a platform to kind of give that back to the next up and coming generation, as well as like vet guys or anything. Cause in our sport, for sure, knowledge is power, but also just there's a lot of things that we've weeded out that don't work over the years, you know. So being able to have a platform that kind of can transfer that to, you know, the up and coming kids or vet riders or whoever it is, it's been pretty cool. And and also too, like, you know, I'm still racing this year, but I've been able to meet a lot of different people, you know, people from Arkansas, Louisiana. We got some guys from New Zealand, Australia, different parts of the country. We have a kid racing Canadian Nationals, Quinn Amiot. It's been really cool just to kind of meet other people as well throughout that. It's cool that you can expand that program and grow it. That's uh, that's uh, going to be interesting for you as things develop. And uh, I think back to when uh, you graduated from Loretta's and went pro. A lot of those racers are uh, since retired and no longer doing it. And here you are 14 years later, still uh, still going at it uh, and going strong. Uh do you ever see yourself going back to the ranch? I think eventually, like a lot of pros have done and and kind of, I wouldn't say extended their careers, but, you know, just, just for those last hurrahs. I'm not going to lie. I was definitely thinking about it, um, you know, just with retiring this year and then the Reddas was a couple weeks ago, you know, and I was watching, you know, it's pretty cool now. You can watch basically all the video or all the, the motos live on Racer TV on YouTube. And it really, it was cool this year to see like Cole Martinez and Alessi, Heath Harris and some of those guys actually doing pretty well like winning the vet titles and then actually doing well in open pro sport. <laughs> so I mean, it definitely is something that I would like to come back and do. I mean, it might be five, 10 years from now, you know, I definitely want to take some time off and not worry about racing or trying to risk it, you know, but at the same time, that is a really special race. I mean, I haven't raced there since I think 2008 was the last time I raced in a class. Definitely something I think in the future would be cool to come back and do, you know, but at the same time taking it, to the point where, you know, maybe visiting the beer tent every night <laughs> as well as racing, you know, like not taking it too serious, like just going back and ex- and enjoying the experience. 
Yeah, and do it on your own terms. I know uh, Brayton kind of predicted that uh, you weren't going to be fully retired and you might drop in a few rounds here or there. Or I know you uh, talked about your dad who did a lot of woods racing and there's always that opportunity to do that. So there's always options on the table and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you can always go out and do some of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like we all say, you know, we're retiring, but when you're an athlete and you retire at 32, there's still a lot of road, a lot of years left, hopefully. So, you know, but it's more or less like, I think it, what's required of us to, to compete at this level, you know, the top level of our sport, you basically have to be all in and for a good 10 to 11 months out of the year, you know, and that wears on you. Like I, I guess I'm in my 14th year of 14th season of my career, you know, and after a while, it's, I definitely feel like I'm at a point, a kind of intersection in my life where I want to change gears and do some other things. And, you know, my wife and I have talked about starting a family and things like that. But, um, at the same time, like it's, it's always going to be, you know, I'll, I'll always have a passion for the sport and I'll definitely be involved in one way or another. And you'll definitely probably see me at a few races here or there, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's going to be almost expected with little ones that uh, they end up back at the ranch with you too. So wouldn't be surprised. Now, you, I got to call you out because you said uh, beer tent. So I know you're a craft beer fanatic, and now you get to have that opportunity to imbibe a few times. What's uh, what's your favorite craft beer? Uh, is it a type or a certain brand? Oh, um, I mean, right now we're trying to keep a lean and mean. So, you know, like the lagers, uh, Michelob Ultra, Coors. I mean, you know, we, my wife and I, we enjoy going to breweries and stuff like that. But it's been hard because, you know, the cravings can't, I can't necessarily, um, you know, fulfill the cravings <laughs> right now. So like after we watched Trugal, we had a two week break and I had a couple, I had a beer like every night with dinner. And then by Saturday, so about a week into that program, I was like, all right, I got to stop. I, I stepped on the scale and I was like, all right, we've, we've went too far already. <laughs> so, you know, I had to rein it back in. You know, we got plenty enough time for that in the retirement phase of my life. Absolutely. Yeah, craft beer in lieu of electrolytes probably isn't going to work out well on the, on the motocross track. But <laughs> Yeah, they kind of cancel uh, each other out. <laughs> yeah. One other question I had. So I, with this new World Supercross series, you know, being announced in – all kinds of riders seem like they're signing up. Has that made you kind of question maybe postponing your retirement a little bit to take part in that series? I was kind of entertaining it. I had a few teams reach out to me about racing that series. But at the end of the day, I guess we kind of just decided to kibosh it because, I mean, between the 17 Supercrosses and 12 Outdoors, I mean, this is I've raced more this year than I ever have in my life. So, you know, basically you would, Paula is September 5th. And then the next, the first round of the World Supercross Series is October 8th. So you'd have like a weekend off maybe, and then you'd have to basically start training for Supercross and go right into it. It's been a long year and yeah, it's just not something I was really interested in. It's like kind of training for another two, two and a half months, you know, to go travel and stuff. Like, I feel like I got my fill of Supercross racing this year and, you know, I'm excited just to watch that on TV, I guess. That's all for sure watch it on TV, but I don't really have any desire to race it. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, how it's it really has made that schedule even more difficult, you know, with all the now with the announcement of the the super motocross, you know, having the end of the season shootout and, you know, a final. So it's it's even gonna be more intense. So what's next for Alex Martin? So I think I understand where you're I saw where you're gonna be moving back to Minnesota, maybe be living with your you know, up back up in Minnesota and experiencing those nice cold winters again. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely in for it for sure. I'm gonna have to hit up FXR superstore there in Minneapolis and get some parkas and some winter coats or something. Cause I've lived in the South for about 17 years, roughly. And, and I don't have much winter gear, that's for sure. But, uh, 
No, my wife and I, we are both of our families are from the Minnesota Millville area. And so we're, we're going to head back there and we'd like to buy some land and build a house. And, um, you know, I definitely have plans to help my parents out with Millville. And like earlier in the interview, we we're talking about growing troll training. So that's something I want to grow and, you know, give some more time to when I'm not racing. And definitely any other opportunities that present themselves, I'm definitely going to pursue those. But more or less, just looking forward to getting back to Minnesota and, and just changing, changing the pace of everything. We really appreciate your time today and congratulations on just an amazing career. There's anybody else you'd like to, anybody you'd like to shout out or um, draw attention to your troll training? Where can people find that online and, and uh, what are the social channels they can uh, follow what you have going on? Yeah, so I'm on, obviously I have Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all those things, Outsmartin26, but for training programs and just to look at our website, it's uh, www.trolltraining.com. And that's kind of where we have everything listed on there. And you can get a lot of inf information on the website. And also there's a, you know, for people that have like training questions or they're just curious about anything, uh, we have a contact form and you can go on there. And actually, I personally answer all the emails that come through there. So that's been pretty fun too. actually just answering people's training questions. So that's kind of the extent of it. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Very cool. Well, I even signed up for your email already, so I'll be looking forward to getting those, you know, in my <laughs> inbox. So. But again, thank you so much for your time, Alex. And uh, again, congrats on an amazing career. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog, listen to past episodes, and get your very own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Hasledge, and audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.